678, Fruits of the Spirit, number 33, Goodness, preached in the First Presbyterian Church of Bakerstown on Sunday, March 17, 1974. The text is 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 through 22. Follow along, please, as I read from Paul's first letter to the church at Thessalonica, the fifth chapter, beginning at the twelfth verse, it can be found on page 189 in the back of the Pew Bibles. We beseech you, brethren, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord, those who admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. We exhort you, brethren, admonish the idle, Encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and be patient with them all. See that none of you repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to all. Rejoice always, pray constantly. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophesy, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Thus endeth the lesson. This morning I would like you to think with me on the subject what makes a person Good. What do you think it is that makes a person good? Heredity? Is this what makes some people good? The parents to whom God chose to give them? Is it environment? Of course, we want the best for our children, the best neighborhoods, the best schools, the best friends, but is it environment alone that produces good young men and good young women? What is it? There are some people who believe that what makes goodness in people is an adherence to specific laws of God and man. The Pharisees and the scribes thought this. 
They thought that the way to please God and to be considered good in this life was to obey every rule to the letter of its law. And that's exactly what fanatically they tried to do. They fasted twice a week. They tithed. They went to worship regularly. And there were people who felt that as long as they obeyed the law, they could be considered by both God and man as, as being good. It's very interesting, you know, that some people still think the same today. But let me warn you, Jesus called the Pharisees and the scribes, the law keepers, many names, but he never called them good. Some people think that the way that you become good is nothing more than a matter of self-determination and willpower. All you have to do is to try, and if you don't succeed at first, try, try again, try harder. So consequently, you see it at every New Year's Eve and day celebration. You see it at every communion service. You see it and you hear it every time you see someone <coughs> hurting and destroying those he or she loves or finds his professional or his social life in jeopardy because of his activities and his attitudes. We find people making resolves that they are going to do better. Doesn't work, does it? How many times all of us have made promises to husbands, to wives, to fathers, to mothers, to preachers, to Almighty God? And we will try harder and do better and become good people. But it doesn't work. In fact, it only compounds the problem because it adds guilt to already unresolved guilt because we haven't been able to accomplish what we thought we could through determination and self-will. The reason it doesn't work is that it's not the gospel. The gospel is good news. And there is no good news trying to tell someone who is wrestling with the baser self that all he has to do is to try harder. There's no good news in that. Do you notice Jesus' technique? Never once, never once did he tell those thousands that gathered around them that they could become good if they tried harder. When Mary Magdalene came to him with eyes filled with tears and a heart covered with a black blanket of guilt, Jesus did not say to her, Mary, you've got to try harder. Try harder, Mary. No, he never said that. He never said to Peter, James, John, to everybody, try harder. If you try harder, you can become good. Never did that. Because he knows it won't work. Didn't work then and it won't work now. And people don't become good by just trying harder. 
Some people know this and they misinterpret how goodness is to be found and they feel that the way really to become good is to not attempt <coughs> for perfection and make no tries at trying to be known and do good in this life. That's what I see happening more and more in our generation. And I keep asking myself, why is it that there are so many people in the world who seemingly just don't care, who just don't even want to look good? They have no desire to be good. Why? And you know, every time I come up with the same analysis so that I am afraid some of us who are in the church are partly responsible for people who lack the initiative and the desire to be known as good people. I don't mean to come down hard on you because I come down hard on myself, but you know, sometimes, Mr. Church member, Christian, people outside the church are looking at you and me. And they see us coming in here, not only on Sundays, but other days of the week as well. But remember, they also hear what we say out there. They watch what we do out there. And seemingly, they are finding some inconsistencies in our life. And they are beginning to say, if that is the kind of goodness that your church produces, I don't want any part of it. I'm fairly convinced that the greatest enemy to good, honest, Christian goodness is not badness. The church people who masquerade their goodness, who wear it on the shirt sleeve, and who talk about it, but don't live it in their everyday lives. So consequently, what happens? We have created a generation of people who Charles Templeton calls the new type of hypocrite. That's all we've done, just develop another type of hypocrite. Still a hypocrite, but the other kind of hypocrite, the old-style hypocrite, was an individual, you know, who tried to make himself look better than he actually was. That's not the new style hypocrite. The new style hypocrite is the individual who tries to look worse than he or she really is. You know what I mean? You see them in their dress, you hear their filthy language, you read their books, you work with them. But when you get to know them and converse with them and love them, you find out they're not nearly as worse as they would like you to believe that they are. What makes a person good in the sight of God and man? The Bible says there's only one thing that anybody can do if he's going to be classified as being good, and that is to have a vital relationship with God, a relationship that is real, that is honest, 
that is sincere and that works. A daily relationship with your Creator through Jesus Christ, His Son, our Lord. That's the only way. Remember when somebody came up to Jesus, the rich young ruler it was, and said, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, Call no man good. Call no man good, for there is only one that is good, that is God. Goodness, you see, is not something that we can acquire in life. It is only something that can be given, that can be received. Only God is good, and only God can give us his goodness, and he wants to do it by the power of his Holy Spirit. That's it. If you want to be good, you've got to receive the gift from God, and he can give it to you only by the third person of the Trinity, the power and the presence of his Holy Spirit in this world today. And the Holy Spirit, he will give unto you goodness. And before you can ever do any good works, you must become good, and you can do this only through the grace, the gift of God, through Jesus Christ. You see, just as an automobile, most of them are meant to run on gasoline and they will not properly function on any other type of fuel, so also your life and mine have been made and meant to live in relationship with God, and if that relationship goes haywire, our lives go haywire with that relationship. There is but one way that life is to be lived if it's going to be a good life. And Jesus is presumptuous enough and unequivocally says unashamedly, I am that way. And no man can come under the Father but by me. That's it. And when you seek for this real, sincere, honest to goodness, daily relationship with God. By the power of his Holy Spirit, he will give you the ability to be good. And he does it, I think, two ways. By the power of the Spirit, he gives it to you by granting unto you an understanding mind, a mind that is capable of discerning what is right and what is wrong, what is good and what is bad. Yes. If you spend time in the Word of God, blessed by His Holy Spirit, if you pray to God through the power of the Holy Spirit, I honestly believe that give it enough time, you will have the gift of discernment, being able to tell what is good and what is bad. And you know that? That's very important. And I know we may sound a little old-fashioned, but nevertheless, I believe it's true. I think that there is 
slowly being erased from the English language and our everyday vocabulary, these two words, good and bad. Yeah, we, we don't often say that somebody is a good person. We don't say that anymore. Nor are we able to say with conviction that somebody's a bad person anymore. And not that I'm wanting to condemn anyone, but you know, that, that's kind of too bad. We are so used to living in this, this age of tolerance and understanding with all of our highfalutin ideas that it seems to me that we have lost sight that there are absolutes in this particular world. We are so used to getting the idea that all we want from people is advice, advice that will help us to be naughty but still be nice. We, we, we get the idea that, oh, in everybody there's a little bit of good, even in the worst there's a little bit of good, just as in the best there's a little bit of bad. And we seem to bend over backwards in hesitating to call somebody or something good or bad. What we do? We change our vocabulary. For the word good we say pleasant, nice, well-adjusted, well-rounded, mature, creative. For the word bad, we substitute words like uncooperative, sick, disturbed, and what my grandfather used to call a bad boy, the world today calls a misguided, misdirected, confused juvenile delinquent. <laughs> that's creeping even into our wonderful community which is enabling people to say that there are no absolutes in this world. No absolute right or wrong, no absolute good or bad. Everything is relative. It all depends on varying opinion. Opinion which can vary from place to place and time to time. Do your own thing, man. Which is another way of saying, whatever I want to do, that's right. And anything that I don't want to do, that's bad. I don't know where we get such ideas, but we don't get them from the Bible. Because if there's anybody that speaks bluntly upon what, what is right and what is wrong, what is good and what it is bad, it's those who have been inspired by that same Holy Spirit to write for our edification the Word of God. And what we need, I think, in this world are individuals who have that understanding mind, who live in such a close relationship with God through Jesus Christ and by the power of His Holy Spirit that they can say with some conviction 
This is good, or this is bad. We need that. We have to get out of this area of living in the grave where we're never quite sure. Oh, it's very, very comfortable not to believe in absolutes. But when you spend time, believe me, in the Word of God under the guidance of His Holy Spirit, and when you pray for help in trying to discern what is good from that which is bad, do you know what happens? Your discernment becomes sharpened. You give to your conscience an education. You suddenly find yourself being alive and awakened to the struggle of good and bad that is going on in this world. And suddenly you begin to see that you begin to care, and when you begin to care, you become human, and when you become human, you realize that God can give you the power to be good and to serve as an influence of good here on this earth. You try. Don't take my word for it. You try it. And under the guidance of that personal Holy Spirit, through the study of his word, ask God to give you that understanding mind. And like Paul, you will find that the mind that was in Christ will be in you. And you can tell right from wrong, good from bad. But let me warn you. The Holy Spirit, he will give you something else as well, if you earnestly desire a discerning heart. He will give you not only the mind that can understand good and bad, but he will give you something equally as important, the understanding heart. And you've got to have it. You see, an individual who becomes not just judging between good and bad, but becomes judgmental, he has a tendency to be hard and callous and, and unsympathetic and unbending and really not very helpful in this world, and he becomes the individual who other people try to stay away from. He has goodness, but he's really good for nothing. Because, you see, true goodness involves not only an understanding mind, but an understanding heart as well. It's a it's a mind that can discern, yes, good from bad, but it's also a heart that understands, a heart that is able to sympathize, a heart that is able to identify, a heart that is able to forgive, and a heart that is able to lift up that which is bad and help to turn it into good. See, that's what Jesus did throughout all of life. As he traveled up and down the dusty roads of Palestine, he preached good. Never overcome evil with evil, but evil overcome evil with good. Never once did you find that this individual hesitated in saying that this was in question as to whether or not it was good or bad. Nobody ever spoke more bluntly on what is good and what is bad. Yet Jesus sought out the people who were considered in his day to be the bad people, the harlots, the robbers, the thieves, the extortionists, the despised, the rejected, the dirty, and he sought them out. And never once did he ever give them the indication 
that goodness and bad don't count. Never once did he wink at sin. Never once did he allow them to forget that God demands absolute goodness. Never once. But oh, how he understood. And how he was kind. And he was always there, sympathizing, understanding, forgiving, and uplifting. He never compromised, but he was always willing to help the bad become good. Take example of that case of that woman who was caught in adultery. How ashamed she must have been as she stood before her accusers, and Jesus, you know, came upon the scene, and he gave them a little lecture on good and bad, and as the accusers slunk away to go home to think over themselves what is the true meaning of goodness and what it is to be bad. Nobody was left except this woman who had a lousy reputation and the perfect Jesus, the one who came not only to show us what God is like, but to show us how man is to live. And he said, Does any man condemn thee? No, sir, no man, neither do I condemn thee, said Jesus. Go and sin no more. He had the absolute, but he understood the power of the bad, and he helped that woman to become new by understanding and uplifting her to the goodness that there is in life. <laughs> The Holy Spirit give unto us the understanding mind and the understanding heart, for it is out of the heart, the treasures of the heart, that a good man doeth good deeds, and it's out of the evil treasure of the evil man's heart that he bringeth forth evil deeds. A good tree bringeth forth good fruit. And when the Holy Spirit, when he gives unto you the understanding mind and couples it with the understanding heart, you will find that you begin to produce the fruit of the spirit of goodness, a fruit that is just not good, but a fruit that is good for something and someone. And ladies and gentlemen, that's what we need in this world today. A few centuries ago, Edmund Burke said that all that evil needs in this world to succeed is for good people to do nothing. And he was right then and he's right today. But what we need in this world are not people who talk about goodness, people who just do nothing but pray for goodness. People who want to see good leadership in America, in the world, we don't need any more of that. But we need people who are good. And we understand that goodness is a gift from God that can come only through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. God wants you to be good. He created you with the abilities to be good. And he wants to give you the goodness today 
of people quenching out the Spirit. Let the Spirit blow. Please, Lord Jesus, help us to be good. Father and our God, we ask that you will help us, please. Our world needs it. Our church needs it. Our families need it. And we need it to find peace. Please, O Heavenly Father, by that power of the Spirit that can do all things, please feed us. Please give us help. Help us to let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works, but give the glory unto our Father who is in heaven. And may we know that goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives, and that they can become a part of us if we allow your spirit to make them a reality in our lives. In the name of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of his Holy Spirit be and abide with you all now and forevermore. Amen.